It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Hey, hey, hey. It's Speedway coming at you today with another topic that hopefully is going to be relevant to a lot of you out there. Today, we're talking about dating over 40. Those of you who have done it will know that there's some big difference between dating in your 20s and dating when you're over 40. This show highlights some of those differences in the hope that if you are in this situation, you know you are in the same boat with many, many others, and perhaps you can be more intentional about some of the choices that you make. The first thing that I'm going to suggest to you is, you know, if you're new to it, you might find yourself dating in your 40s because maybe you lost your spouse. Maybe they died. Maybe they left. But um, somehow you find yourself in this rather surprising circumstance that perhaps you had not expected to ever be in again. And you might have some pretty mixed feelings about that. You might not be so happy about it. You know, if you had a spouse and lost the spouse, um, you know, a lot of times you may not be that thrilled about it, even if you're happy about losing the spouse, right? You might be thinking, well, you know, so glad the spouse is gone, but doggone it, this is not what I had planned for my life. And you might be feeling like, well, shucks, you know, life is over for me if I've got to go through this again. Gee whiz, who on earth is going to want an old fogey like me? I'm over 40, I'm 42, I'm 45, I'm 40, whatever. But um, the first thing I will do is encourage you and tell you that life, is not over, not even by a long shot. There used to be a saying, I don't hear it as much as I used to anymore, that life begins at 40. And I would say, you know, it probably does. That's probably true. So all that to say, embrace it and get into it and find joy in it because actually this is an amazing time to date. You have more options for where to find loved ones compared to even 10 years ago, right? Lots and lots of options. I have heard that 40 is the new 20, even for having babies, even for getting married. People are waiting longer and later. They're they're pursuing careers before they make, you know, those kinds of commitments. So you're not over the hill, and it is better in some ways. You are presumably wiser than you were in your 20s, hopefully, To the extent that you're older, the truth is, so is everybody else. You ought to be, at 40, more self-aware than you were 20 years ago. You should be in a better place um, from a variety of different angles. Hopefully you have learned from some of the mistakes that you have made over the course of time. You should be more independent. If you're one of those people who was never married and you find yourself in your 40s and still single, hopefully it means that you have now established a lifestyle that is quite independent of anybody else and you're quite self-sufficient. And what that might mean, too, is that you can afford to be picky because hopefully you're not desperate. Hopefully you also have more money than you did when you were in your 20s. You know, I remember when I was 23 and I started practicing law. I had, uh, you know, I was I, I was pretty poor. And I was quite shocked that my law degree did not come with, you know, my Mercedes or my Lexus and my plush apartment because 
apparently that whole, you know, lawyers are rich thing is not an automatic thing, and it doesn't happen to all lawyers. Go figure. So, uh, but now at 40, I'm doing a lot better um, because over time, you know, the career has panned out and the salary has gone up with each successive job eventually. And so, you know, I, I, I can do a lot more than I could do when I was in my 20s. Hopefully, by the time you're in your 40s, you have more stable life circumstances. You have an established career, or at least you know what you want to do. You have a permanent home state and location. You're not really thinking, you know, I'm going to graduate from school and where on earth am I going to live? Um, There is hopefully less uncertainty about your professional future in terms of your career choice. Now, given the economic climate, there might be a fair amount of uncertainty, about uh, your job situation, but hopefully not your career, right? And to the extent that you, you're you're questioning your career choice, it might be because of things that have happened with the economy and with your job situation. But overall, for many of us, hopefully we kind of know what we're really well suited to do and even if you have to make a career change, you probably have a narrower idea about the kinds of things that you'd be good at compared to when you were in your 20s. Hopefully you also have your own interests. And uh, you've got hobbies. You've got things you like to do. I like writing, so I'm writing a book. Um, I like motorcycles, so I have a bike that I ride. Um, you know, I... I I consider actually my kids my interest because they're not just an obligation. They are, you know, just a delight to be around, a delight to hang out with. So I love hanging out with my kids. And so all of these things should put you in a better position today than you were perhaps when you were in your 20s. And by the way, I'm not just talking to people in their 40s. This is anybody who's in their, you know, uh, at a stage in your life where you've been through some transitions where you find that you are once again dating or you are still dating and perhaps you hadn't anticipated that you would be. Maybe you're in your mid-30s, maybe you're in your 50s, maybe you're in your 60s or even your 70s. People still get married in their 70s. And um, so I'm talking to all of you. So things that I would suggest you start with. Well, first of all, choose differently. Decide if you want to date and when. Do you want to date Now, do you want to date later, like after you finish that book, after the summer comes, after you get back from that amazing trip you're going on in the United Kingdom, after the kids are older? But decide when because you have full control. The other thing that I would say to you is you have to decide, you have to make that decision first, do I even want to date? Because if you don't, then you're never going to devote the time and attention to it. And if you don't devote the time and attention to it, you're never going to build a real relationship with anybody. You're going to flit from person to person. I had a first date here. I had a first date there. And then you'll think to yourself, how come I never find anybody? How come I never find anybody I can settle down with? Because you're not willing to put the time in. You may not be willing to invest your emotions because you've been through, you know, a horrible marriage and you're just just hanging on by a thread or maybe you were. And now that you've recovered, you're in such a good place, you don't want to jeopardize, you know, that relationship you have with your spouse, your ex-spouse, that relationship you have with your kids. You've kind of gotten yourself to this equilibrium and this balance, and you have filled your life with the kids and, you know, the the 
uh, extracurricular activities that you enjoy, the hobbies, the job, and it's working for you. And if that's the case, then maybe you're not ready to date, and maybe you don't want to, and maybe you never want to. Maybe you just want to be a bachelor for the rest of your days, which is fine too. There are lots of people who are. And so you have to make the decision, though. You have to decide for yourself what it is that you want. And then how much time are you willing to devote to it? So here's where it gets really tricky for people who are, you know, dating later in life. Because now you've got obligations and, and complexities that you really didn't have when you were in your 20s. Um, you've got kids. That's a big one. If you are the primary custodian for your kids, or if you are, as I am, the co-parent of your kids, I have my girls half the time. And what that means is I only have half the time to devote to things like dating, um, networking, traveling, everything else that that I want to do outside of um, my kids. I try and fit in that other half time when they're over with their dad. So what that means is I can't date someone who expects me to be around all the time. I travel a great deal. And so, you know, that for me is a limiting factor between kids and work. I would say, therefore, I need someone who is not going to be, you know, tying themselves around me and trying to figure out what I'm doing all the time because I got things to do. And I like the things I, I, I like the things I like to do. So if you have hobbies and volunteer activities, perhaps you've got a circle of friends that you want to stay in touch with, and I would argue you should stay in touch with. You have professional involvement. Maybe you're on boards. You've got mixers and networking events. You have to give some thought to what is it that I'm willing to do, what am I willing to compromise in order to spend and invest some time in building a relationship with someone. What are you going to give up? Instead of riding my Harley on, you know, into Saturday evening, I'm going to make time to go out on a date. Instead of watching television like I really love to do on Saturday morning, maybe I will take my girlfriend out to breakfast. Instead of working all Saturday night or Friday night, I'm going to call my girlfriend up and we're going to go out on a date and we're going to have a lovely time. I'm going to rearrange my priorities and the time that I do certain things in order to create space in my life because the truth is, let's face it, if you are in your 40s and you're single, you know, um, you have found ways to fill your time with all sorts of things. And so the question is, what are you going to give up? And if you're thinking to yourself, well, why do I have to give up anything? Remember, it goes back to the first question that I started with, which was, are you willing to date? Do you want to date? Are you prepared to spend some time doing it because you're going to have to invest in the relationship, um, whatever it turns out to be, right? So that's one thing to remember. If you have been in a long-term relationship that did not work out, then figure out what's different this time. Um I refer to this show a lot because <laughs> I think it was a fabulous show. It was a show that I did with Dr. Antoinette Smith, um, author of a phenomenal book called You're More Than Meets the Eye. And um, she, that's not the whole title, but it's its a long title. But anyway, we'll start with that. But um, we did a show called It's Not Him, It's You. And it starts with, and, and I love that show because actually, 
That is so true on many levels. It's true for both men and women. And the reason I love it and the reason I consider it true is because the only one, frankly, that you can control anyway is you. You can't control the other. You can't control you cannot control him. You cannot control her. You can only control yourself. And so this is why we are so focused on you besides. Who else better and greater is there to think about besides? You, right? So start with the premise that if it didn't work out, you have to decide what is different about you this time. It is my personal suspicion that, um, you know, in the United States, what you hear is you hear the statistics that the divorce rate for first marriages is 50%. The divorce rate for second marriages is quite a bit higher than the first. And you would think that it ought to be lower because, you know, in theory you've learned some things and you're going to apply what you've learned, and therefore you should have a higher success rate. So why is it not a higher success rate? I believe it is because, and I don't have any data to prove this, this is just my suspicion, I believe it's because partly people rush into the second marriage because they didn't want to be divorced in the first place. Then when they get there, they assume it's going to work out better because actually they're thinking, I've changed the biggest problem, which was the other, right? If I have changed the spouse, surely I'm going to have greater success this time around because that no good, you know, lying, cheating, lazy bum is gone. And then they find that actually, shockingly, the second marriage perhaps goes exactly the way of the first. And then they're shocked, stunned, and amazed because it's like, how how did I marry the same person twice? And it's because it wasn't the other, it was you. It was always you. But, you know, we always think of ourselves as the most pre just the most preeminently reasonable people, right? So we don't see that as us. And so we go looking for other people and we go looking, pointing. And, um, you know, we're always shocked when, you know, we seem to have the same experiences. So take a very close look at yourself. I went to a, a class one day where for for people, this was back when I was going through my divorce, there are so many lessons I got out of that whole process. You know, there's good in everything, I must say. I do remember thinking, wow, this divorce thing sucks, and it sucks so much, I sure hope something useful comes out of it because, boy, um, it is a painful thing to go through. Well, a lot of good has come from it, actually, so I wouldn't change a thing in my life. But... um, Went to a went to a divorce care class. It's a syndicated class that's provided through a lot of churches, actually, and it is designed to help people who are going through separation or divorce sort of walk through it in a constructive way. And one of the shocking things that I learned out of that class was they said it takes you half the period of your marriage to get over it. In other words, if you are married 10 years, it will take you five years to get over your marriage. And I thought, seriously? And they said, well, you know, obviously it's not a hard and fast rule. However, um, a lot of people assume that they're going to be up and running in a lot less time than that, and that's just not true. And so consider, though, that the studies indicate that a lot of divorced men get married, many of them, within the first two years of their marriage. So if you were married for 10 years 
and you're a guy and you, you know, maybe you don't like the idea that you're not married anymore, you run off, you get married in, you know, two years. And theoretically, you really needed to take about five years to mourn and, and, and grow and get past that past that other relationship. Then you're not ready and you haven't changed and you haven't grown enough in theory. And so perhaps you may find that your relationships are going to be a little bit harder to get through in a successful and constructive way because maybe you keep going back to those experiences from your first relationship and that's what you're really reacting to as opposed to reacting to the person who is really in front of you right now. So you have to do some introspection to say, how is your choice different today? And maybe the choice of who you wanted was different. I had a girlfriend of mine who um, said, you know, when I was in my uh, 20s, I was looking for uh, gorgeous, long blonde hair, blue eyes, punk rocker, guy who looks like, you know, he's a guitarist or a drummer in a band. That's what I was after. And uh, I married such a man. And boy, oh boy, he was not a good father. He was not a good spouse. Um, There was nothing even remotely good about that marriage that I experienced. And so now that she was in her 50s, early 50s now, um, you know, she's looking at her second husband and saying, well, you know, he's he, I would have never been interested in this guy if uh, when I was in my 20s. He looks nothing like the guy that I was looking for back then. You know, this fella is kind of portly. He's uh, balding. He wears glasses. Um, and, and, and he just does not fit the physical makeup, but my goodness, he is good to me. And I love him with all my heart, and he takes care of me, and I take care of him, and we are so in love because I have learned about the more important things in life. And it ain't, you know, the blonde hair, the blue eyes, and the blah, blah, blah. And I would suggest that I think that's true. I think a lot of people in their youth really go after looks. But I have personally never met anybody, and I did divorce work for five years when I started my career as a lawyer. I never met anybody who said that a fight between, you know, them and their spouse was solved because their spouse was just so good looking um, or was solved because, you know, the spouse was so rich, right? Nobody ever says, oh, well, you know, I'm going to let this go because you're so gorgeous. Now, sometimes um, they may truncate the fight and they may truncate the resolution by using, you know, physicality to sort of resolve it, but then it's never really resolved, now is it? It is just swept under the rug and perhaps ignored and we go on to live a different day and then one day it all falls apart because we keep sweeping stuff under the rug and then one day the rug has taken up the whole room or the whole house and there's just nowhere to run anymore. So what is different about your choices? What is different about who you are and how you're going to behave in a relationship? You also have to kind of give some thought to why do you want to date in the first place? There are unhealthy reasons and there are healthy reasons. Um, You know, one of the unhealthy reasons I can think of is, you know, physical intimacy or fear of being alone or you feel like you have to have someone to complete you or you feel like you need someone in order to make you happy. Um, You're tired of coming home to an empty house. Uh, You just want to be married. 
you just want to have a date on Saturday night. What's wrong with all of those? Well, I give you some examples. Physical intimacy, obviously, that's just it, 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 it just creates all kinds of problems. Among other things, it truncates the process of getting to know each other, and it, in my opinion, creates false positives where you have connected with each other on a physical level. Especially for women, it creates a very strong physical bond, not always, but often, and um, and a spiritual bond too. And then if you find out that you are actually incompatible, it may take you longer to realize it because you have, you know, prematurely created this bond and maybe you don't want to see what's in your face. And it just causes all kinds of problems. And for men, it just seems to have exactly the opposite effect. Um, intimacy too early in a relationship causes them to lose interest. It causes them to want to go for the next conquer. It causes them to have, you know, less of an opinion about the woman. I mean, it's just it's just bad for all kinds of reasons. Fear of being alone is a common, common one for people. And it's a problem because, and this goes in line with wanting someone to make you happy. I would argue that no one can make you happy. People can add to your happiness, but people can't make you happy. If you are unhappy, being with someone else, you're you're still going to be unhappy. And perhaps you're just going to project your unhappiness onto them, and you are instead going to make them unhappy too. And I think, you know, I personally don't think it's a fair thing to expect of anybody else. It is a huge hole to fill. There will always be a hole inside of you that nobody else can fill. And um, I would suggest actually that that hole is probably the hole that God created so you would come back to him. And here you are trying to fill it with a relationship with someone who frankly doesn't have the ability, no matter how great they are, to fill that hole for you. So... Those are the reasons why I would suggest that trying to be with someone so that you're not alone or so that you're not unhappy is going to be something that's going to fail every time. Other bad reasons, you know, I just want to be married. You know, I find that a lot of men uh, get into their first marriage because of this reason. Yeah, sure, I loved her, but it was time for me to get married because all my other friends were getting married, and I thought, why not? Um, or I was ready to settle down and she happened to come along and she was, you know, as close to what I wanted as I thought I would get, or at least as I got at the time that I decided I was ready. So I made the leap. Um, Lots of people get married for that reason. And, you know, not such a good reason to be married. Tired of coming home to an empty house, same thing. Um, Same thing as wanting someone just because you don't want to be alone. Um, I need a date on Saturday night. Well, it's not a bad reason to date, but, you know, it's not a good reason to be serious with somebody either. Um, and, and, And lots and lots of other reasons. There are healthy reasons to want to be with someone. I have, uh, I, I, I want companionship. I want to be, I want to share my life with someone. I want to extend the love and the joy that I have to another. I want someone to share my joys with, my ups and downs with. I want, um, maybe I'm ready to settle down and be in a serious relationship. I have kind of done all the other things I wanted to do. I went and I played and I did this and I did that. I'm ready to settle down and I'm willing to put the time and the work and the energy into making it work if I find the right person. 
there is nothing wrong with wanting to do that. And if you just want to date, maybe the answer is, I just want to pal around. I just want somebody to hang out with. I want good conversation on a on a Saturday night or on a Friday night or on a Wednesday night, whatever the day is. You know, it but it's knowing yourself that's critical. Know what it is that you're after. Know what it is that you are willing to offer. Know what you're willing to give up. Know what you will compromise and be clear about what it is that you need and you want out of this relationship. And once you figure out all of those things, it is my hope that, first of all, the fact that you're in your 40s means that you are in a better position to to get some clarity around those things. As I said earlier, one of the cool things about dating in uh, the 2000s is the fact that there are a lot more tools than there used to be before. One of the things that's interesting about dating in your 40s is that the availability of people who are in a similar situation is not the same as it was before. When you were in college, most of your college, uh, your fellow students were single. Most of them were, you know, you're, you're in college, so hopefully most of them were reasonably bright, as presumably you were, and most of you were similarly situated. Whereas now that you're in your 40s, you know, a lot of people have gone off, they've gotten married. There are a lot of people who, um, you know, have different things that they do, and so there isn't a single place that most people are going to um, congregate anymore. Right, But now we have all of these websites that we can go to, and in in 20, what, 2013 when I'm recording the show, um, they no longer have that creepy factor, right? So you have eHarmony, you have Match.com, which are sort of the big flagship websites, and there's some statistic like 25% of all romances begin online. I have been quite amazed, in fact, at how many people I have talked to who have said, oh, yes, I'm married to my husband, and, you know, this is my second husband, my third wife, my whatever. And you ask them, you know, that's interesting. Well, congratulations. How did you meet? Oh, we met on eHarmony, and we dated for six months, and we've been happy for the past ten years. I mean, stunning how often I hear that nowadays. And so there are all sorts of good places to actually meet people. And um, for the benefit of this show, I will actually post some of those links on um, on the posting for this show. So there's eHarmony, there's Match.com, there's Christian Singles, there's Black People Meet, there's Our Root, which you may not have heard of, which is actually a dating site for um, uh, Africans, people of African descent, to get together. And there are all sorts of sites for... Um, Dating over uh, dating over forty, and for seniors to date, I'll put some of those online as well. So you know that's the good news. But the bad news is, of course, you have to be willing to put in the time because sometimes it is you know it's a numbers game. You see a hundred profiles, maybe you like ten, um, maybe three are worth talking to, and maybe one is the one you go on the first date with, and you may or may not want to have a second date after that. So, but the other thing that it allows you to do is it allows you to get to know yourself and your preferences because you might not really know what you want. 
But as you keep going through the process, you kind of refine and you refine and you refine what it is you want. Other ways to meet people, if you are um, uh, of the more mature ilk, is let's suppose that you really are looking for someone who has a passion for um, volunteerism and is kind and giving, then maybe what you do is you go join a group of singles who are on a volunteer mission. Maybe you go to um, your, you join your church singles group and you go do stuff. And that's where you're going to meet other like-minded people. I would say, you know, if you're looking for just a good person, don't go to church because, you know, church is not just for good people. It's like saying, you know, I'm going to go to the doctor to see if I can find people who are well. Well, you know, there are a lot of sick people who go to the doctor. That's why they go. So so um, think more deeply than just I'm going to just go to this one place. I would suggest that bars and nightclubs are never a good place to meet people because, you know, good people who go are often just going to laugh and giggle and have a good time. And um, there are all sorts of, you know, um, unsavory types who you might meet there too. Uh, other suggestions, if you are into finance and if you want someone who, you know, is good at saving money because maybe your last spouse was, you know, did nothing but run around and spend your money, then perhaps you go and you join an investment club where there are people who appreciate the value of investing and they appreciate the value of money. And uh, maybe that's where you might find somebody who is like-minded. Uh, there are no guarantees, obviously, but, you know, hey, uh, you're more likely to find people who are like-minded if you go and do things that are um, uh, in line with your interests. My favorite way to meet people is, of course, delegate the task to God. Let him do it. And, uh, in fact, I do a show called uh, Delegate Your Love Life where I, I talk about the, this concept of delegating. Personally, I like delegating. Uh, to the Lord because I have found that God has always brought people into my life who have taught me things about myself that I needed to change and needed to improve in order to be the kind of partner I needed to be, um, to be attractive to the kind of person that I wanted to be uh, with. And over time, I can see that things are getting a lot better because the, the men that I have dated over the years have gotten a lot better in terms of their quality, in terms of the alignment with my personal interests and desires and needs. And so um, I can see all sorts of benefits, and I can see how much I have grown and needed to grow as well in that whole process in order to be attractive to somebody that I would um, like to be with. So all of those things are the things that I would suggest that um, uh, you give some thought to in this journey of dating when you are over 40. And that actually, and this is actually a two-part show, This is so this is the first set of things we're going to talk about. And uh, I'm going to come back and uh, on another week, and we're going to finish this conversation. But as of now... Um, I would encourage you to give some thought to all those things. What am I willing to do? What am I willing to change? How have I changed? What is it that I really want in a mate? And what are my motivations for wanting to be with someone? Am I truly happy with myself? Am I happy in myself or am I just looking for someone to fix me or fix things about me that perhaps I don't even like about me? So all of those things are good things to consider because I will promise you 
You attract what you reflect. The healthier you are, the healthier the relationships you will have. The more dysfunctional and and you know destructive your your situation is and your life is, the more chaotic will be your relationships as well. So if you are finding that you are always involved in chaos and drama, you only need look no further than the mirror to find the source of all of those calamities. So this is Spiway saying thank you so much for joining me. And uh, come back next week when we're going to be talking about a whole different topic. But until then, this is Spiway saying go in peace and embrace dating over 40. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.